When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep it love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne. A lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert. My name is Travis Bean and kind of fibbed already in this show. We're not doing a lyrical analysis today. No, no, no. We are doing something far greater. Yeah. I said fibbed already like we usually fib. Yeah. Uh, I feel like all those times where we lie about being Kanye fans and how this (laughs) is actually a podcast dedicated to the destruction of Kanye's legacy. Yeah, and we sit here and make up all these threads and themes that are going on in his albums. It's a good way to spend our time, I think. Yeah, a three-year sabotage plan that's, you know, three out of ten-year sabotage. Really, if you listen to this podcast and are a fan, you are an anti-Kanye person. We're slowly turning you. First, we make you think you really love Kanye, only to set up the turn where you're like, I can't believe... This is the man. I, no, I, I can't go on with it. No, no, no. We are anti-Trump, though. Yeah. Yeah. Might as well get that out of the way now as we get into the discussion. Because <laughs> um, it might sound like we're pro-Trump by the end of this. Oh, I don't know if that's something we'll have to worry about. <laughs> yeah, just think about that the whole time you're listening to us, though. So. so this is our episode overviewing Kanye being on Jimmy Kimmel and everything that happened on that episode but a lot of discussion about the fallout from the interview yeah fallout from an interview that i would say 98 percent of it was a completely straightforward tame funny loving interview where connie said very few things that were actually controversial but of course the world focused on the two percent where he thought about an answer to the question just a little and bit too long for everybody's taste. Treat our kids. How we treat I our think aunties. that's a beautiful thought, but yeah. just in literal terms, yeah. there are families being torn apart at the border of this country. There are, are literally families being torn apart as a result of what this president is doing. And I think that, you know, we cannot forget that whether we like his personality or, or not, the, his actions are really what what matter? I mean, you so famously and so powerfully said George Bush doesn't care about black people. It makes me wonder what makes you think that Donald Trump does or any people at all. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back and uh, Kanye West. Yeah, it was uh, pretty insane to where... Kanye's under such a microscope. And if you only read the headlines, this is a good example of the media perception and the media spin on something versus 
actually experiencing it. Where mm-hmm. if you listen to the full twenty-one minute interview with Kanye, you come away with a pretty good impression of him. I think for the most part, like he has funny moments. He has moments where you th- might disagree, but he's thoughtful throughout. He is getting at some philosophical things throughout. He's being touching as a as a father as just somebody thinking about the world and life. He's vulnerable with his mental health. And yet the only thing that the media talks about is, as you're saying, like Kanye's failure to answer yeah. a question and how absurd he is and how easy of a question it was. Yeah, you know, I listened to, um, I'm trying to remember what I was listening to. I think I was listening to You Talking You Too to Me, which is a podcast. And uh, it was some podcast of Scott Ackerman. And he was talking about, how back in the day when he was on the the show Mr. Show, which was Bob Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk's show back in the day, and Scott would always get upset when there was like a bad review of a show, and it just kind of rolled right off Bob Odenkirk because he was like, you know, the press they just need an angle on anything, like they can't just write a story about a show being whatever, you know, they either have to rip it to shreds or say it's great, and you know that's just the place Kanye's in. He's going to be ripped to shreds for basically anything like like i said like like chris said go watch that whole interview it's 20 minutes there's almost not a second of it (laughs) that is remotely controversial i mean unless you just hate kanye and you want to hate everything he's saying then maybe it's controversial for you but uh, and that on top of that that's even if you think thinking for five seconds about a question is controversial uh We'll get into all that. We're getting way ahead of ourselves. But I don't know. I I feel like the question posed to him in that instant with the theory, with, you know, the ideals he's pitching, uh, it's reasonable for him to think about an answer. Yeah, I definitely Uh, don't think it's unreasonable to think about an answer. (laughs) Uh, Okay, do we want to back up a little bit, though? Yeah, let's, let's pull it back now. Okay, okay. Let's step back because Chris... Has a very interesting tale to tell us in regards to this show. Yeah, so I happen to have booked tickets to go see Family in Los Angeles from August 8th through August 12th. And I was leaving that Wednesday, and that Tuesday night, Kimmel announced that Kanye was going to be on the show. And I immediately jumped online, typed something I never thought I'd type into a search browser, and that was how to get tickets to Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> Lo and behold, there's an actual process. You have to go to this website, oneiota.com, and not just request tickets, but you have to fill out a profile. And you have to include a headshot. You have to include your physical information, demographic information. and Which headshot did you choose? The ones that we got in Iowa. Okay. Not the one of you in a Batman suit? Not the one of me in the Batman suit and not the one of me in the Power Ranger costume. That's too bad. Okay, keep going. I know, I know. Uh, So you have to submit all this because I guess there's people that all they do or a lot of what they do is go to different studio audiences and they're like a studio audience person. So you have (laughs) stats of how many shows you've gotten tickets to. What? Yeah, there's like a full system for studio audience people on there. It's like the more profile information you give, the more likely you are to be selected because they're trying to find certain people for certain shows. It's a whole thing. Yeah. 
so I ended up getting a general admission ticket. I found out the next afternoon. I landed in Burbank and got the emails like, yes. And nobody around me gave a fuck. But I was excited. <laughs> and uh, it was going to be the next day. So I had to call my aunt and say like, hey, Aunt Lori, do you mind if I don't see you tomorrow but see you Friday? Because I have to go hours in advance to try to see Kanye. So she was uh, very understanding about it. Of course. You host a Kanye podcast. She must know that. Yeah. It's it's only appropriate. It's only <laughs> it's appropriate. absolutely appropriate. <laughs> um, I also happened to stop by a Calabasas Starbucks mm-hmm. and put up a flyer for our podcast. Oh, uh, yeah. How many downloads do you think we got out of that? 50. 50-ish? 12? Yeah, that's probably where we got our three-star review, too. Oh, no. Well, at least we tried. <laughs> we we, we have been going strong. Review. Nothing but five-star reviews for a long time, and then we got a random three-star review, and I'm tracking that person down. Who were they? What were they thinking? I don't know, but uh, it's not acceptable. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. So I hung up one of those. I uh, I found the Yeezy office and I dropped off a copy of the <laughs> Yeezus book. I like how you said that, like so nonchalantly. Oh, and I found the Yeezy office. I was just walking by the Yeezy office. I was like, oh, hey, oh, I've got a book. I'll just drop this off. Just happened to stop by. You know, I thought there'd be like a receptionist where I could just be like, hello, hi, I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> Is Kanye in? Yeah, like leave it. And uh, I walked up to the door all confidence and... Tried the handle and it didn't work. Tried the other handle and it didn't work. And looked over and saw the card reader. Stood there for, you know, maybe four seconds. And uh, then just put the book on the ground and walked away. Um, I will say that leading up to the show, Chris was tweeting about a lot of all this. You know, he found out Kanye's going to be in L.A. He conveniently had a trip planned to L.A. Yeah, we all believe that. And then he gets there, and he's, like, looking for the Yeezy office, and he's staying out the outside the Yeezy office, and I'm just like, Chris, the FBI is watching the fuck out of you right now. Like, you are on, like, a watch list. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about it in that way <laughs> to put some perspective on it. To me, I'm thinking, like... <laughs> Oh, this is a this is an opportunity for the podcast. This is an opportunity to get this book in the hands of Kanye and maybe there's something that can come out of it from this. And somebody tweeted me afterwards and they were like, "Chris, did you really go to the office?" <laughs> or they did a tweet, they texted me and I was like, "Yeah." And they're like, after everything that happened with Kim, like, I know that you have good intentions, but they don't know that. And that's something very serious. And I was just like, oh, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I I was mostly joking. This is what I love about you, Chris. You know, I would never do anything like this. You know, I the first thought that comes to my head is like anybody that we would want on the show. I'd be like, why the fuck would they want to talk to us? Like, I'm not going to message Joe Perez. Like, why would Joe Perez want to come on here? And you almost, like, expect them to come on. Like, why wouldn't you come on? <laughs> we, we need that attitude. Yeah, right. A skewed only child worldview where you think everybody wants to talk to you and engage with you. Yeah. yeah they do. The, that's the thing that I've come to realize. That, like, people really do want to talk. People like talking. They? Was that four seconds? <laughs> I was waiting to answer just to see how long it felt, you know? <laughs> 
Uh, oh, now I get the four-second joke. I was wondering why you said that. Oh, yeah. All right. I got you now. Let's go. So I, uh, I went the next day, and everybody on Twitter was saying, like, yo, you need to get there super early. It's general admission. People are going to line up really early. So I got, it was about an hour drive, and I got there at 11.30 a.m., and they said to start lining up about 30 to 45 minutes before 2.30. So I was there a few hours <laughs> ahead of time. And then priority access gets to go in at 3.45. And it's not until 4 that general admission gets to go in. So I got there at 11.30. And I saw that there was nobody there. So I, I bid my time by having some subway. <laughs> what you get? I got a, a club, you know, a nice ham, roast beef, turkey. Perfect. Any toppings? Yeah. Lettuce, spinach, tomato, cucumber, olives, honey mustard. Chipotle? Oh, honey mustard. Okay. Oh, uh, uh, it sounds like a classic sandwich. Oh, it's a great sandwich. Mm. It's a great sandwich. You got a free cookie if you bought a foot long. Really? What a deal. Such a good deal. Uh, and as I was sitting there eating the sandwich, I was overviewing the rules i guess of going to kimmel <laughs> like what you can bring and can't bring and all of that and i saw a dress code which i had to pay attention to and it said you can't wear shorts and you need to look like you're going to a nice dinner uh, and you were wearing a white beater and a speedo close close and sandals close just one sandal no wife beater Speedo, Crocs. <laughs> so uh, I was wearing shorts and a t-shirt. Were you wearing a Kanye shirt? I had my Wyoming, my bright orange Wyoming long sleeve with me. So I was just wearing a t-shirt thinking I'd change into the Wyoming shirt. And my stupid shorts that looked like I got from PacSun. <laughs> Like I was ready to hop on a skateboard and get cruising. Where did you get them if you didn't get them at PacSun? Uh, Stitch Fix. You know, I've been thinking of using them. They've been, uh, they've been doing a pretty good job of updating my wardrobe. So when you say your shorts look like they, they're from PacSun, you don't mean that as a bad thing. You, you must like these shorts if you got them from Stitch Fix. Yeah, I chose to accept them and keep them. By but... the way, Stitch Fix, we'd love to have you as a sponsor on the show. <laughs> They actually sent me and Marie and I uh, an engagement present, Whoa. which was kind of crazy. Yeah, I didn't get shit. So sorry, Travis. Oh, I'm not signed up with them. I think that might have something to do with it. <laughs> Just a little. Uh, so th I was panicking at that point. It said that they would turn you away if they didn't like your clothing. So uh, I was looking around for what clothes shops are closest, and there was a Marshall's. So I go into the Marshalls, and the nice part of it was everything was on sale. The bad part of it was nothing was right <laughs> for what I for what I wanted it for. I maybe could have found like a, a polo, but there were so many racks of clothing and so many just like extra small or extra large of everything <laughs> that I just didn't know. <laughs> I felt lost. I felt confused. Um so I left and I went to a guess and walked in and the woman's like, you look, 
like you need help and i was like <laughs> yes i need clothes for jimmy oh kimmel <laughs> i want to see whatever you looked like in that moment ah, <laughs> i gotta see kanye i'm gonna be last in line <laughs> so uh she was nice enough to like help me find clothing that matched the description and then uh steamed my shirt for for me because it was all wrinkled. wow and uh then I went down and I walked up to the security guard at Jimmy Kimmel. And I was like, does this look okay? And he goes, man, you look almost too fly. And I was like, what a great thing to say. It's so fly that they're going to turn you away. Yeah, right? I walk up when they're letting me in. And he just like puts his hand on my chest. And he's like, I told you, too fly. <laughs> you thought it was a joke? I was being serious, man. I was trying to help you. You didn't help yourself. Uh, so at that point, I go to get in line. No, I finished my subway because <laughs> I, I was in the middle of eating when I saw that. And what you just like get. sat on the curb and ate? I went up to some mall, like an outdoor mall had a dining area, and I just ate okay. at a table and was like, "Look at all the interesting people in LA." Wow, you went on such a journey. Yeah, and all within the one block. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't leave one like block of streets. It was all just me walking by the same people operating a stand back and forth in front of the Chinese theater and them probably going like, what's this idiot doing? <laughs> I got to say, too, you're tweeting a lot of this and texting a lot of what's happening. I thought the whole time that you weren't going to make it in. I had even been talking to Anna earlier that day, who's a past guest of the show. It's like, yeah, Chris is there, but like, he's probably not going to get in because... You had talked about how you had to get there like super early and I knew you had to have lunch with your aunt and I was like, okay, he just won't get in. So I was pretty blown away like once you actually got in. Yeah, well, I I was too because we were joking at first. So I got in line <laughs> around uh, 12, 20 or something at that point. And uh, there were two people standing at the sign that you had to stand at. And I was like, Kanye? And they're like, Kanye! <laughs> <laughs> and some girl that was standing in the Ghirardelli chocolate store comes walking out and she's like, Kanye, I've been here since 10. <laughs> and we're like, well, you get to the front of the line then because that's a very long time. And uh, we start talking and another guy walks up and he's like, Kanye? We're like, Kanye. So we, <laughs> this is like the, these are your usual suspects, you know? Yeah. We have a, we have a couple, we have a, a teenager and then we have a a girl that was like really hardcore she kept seeing like the the priority access people show up and she's like they don't deserve to be there like i've been here since 10 they don't deserve it uh and then throw into the mix you someone who hosts a connie podcast and talks about connie several hours a week yeah i'm the quiet psychopath that's... <laughs> you're just like yeah um, i'm a fan of his work but it was it was kind of cool because one of the guys uh the, the guy in the couple was like, I think I saw your tweet earlier about like having mm -hmm. shorts on. And I was like, ah, you follow us. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the teenager that walked up, he was like, oh, I see you got pants. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like people. <laughs> wow. I mean, if you're going to the Kanye show, though, you probably follow us. Yeah, it's a good overlap. You know, people that like Kanye, people that like Kanye podcasts. Yeah. It's like when I went to the Wicker Basket convention and I didn't find a single person who was a big fan of our podcast see that's surprising to me i know right 
You think people that enjoyed fine craftsmanship of a wicker basket would appreciate the fine craftsmanship of music that Kanye weaves. Yeah. Weirdly enough, though, there was a lot of overlap at the fly fishing convention. Weird. Yeah. I don't know. Keep going. Weird. Okay. So uh, we have a long time to talk, all of us. Uh, what's cool, the one guy was skipping work, so I don't want to blow up his spot by <laughs> saying who he was. <laughs> but he had a... Uh, the 2004 Kanye West fan club t-shirt which Kanye drew the bear on it himself so I guess there was a short-lived Kanye like official Kanye fan club that Kanye sent this to and there's very few of these shirts still out there Mm. so this guy really wanted to have a shirt signed but that didn't happen Uh, so it was just hours of us watching and talking and Believe it or not, it was like two hours before somebody else showed up. Believe it or not. No, I'm just head bopping <laughs> thinking about the song. But two hours. So we got there at 1220 and like nobody came up for wow. ever. That's surprising. So, yeah, we could have really gotten there much later. Uh, I think by the end of the wait, the general, general admission line was maybe 60 people. Hmm. Not, I think. Thought it might be over a hundred oh, or two hundred sure. or something, three hundred, a thousand. <laughs> All of New York shows or LA shows up. <laughs> and New York. Expected, right? The uh, I can't think of area codes. The eight one eight and the two six two. You know the area codes in California? I'm pretty sure it's eight one eight. I thought all the area codes there were sort of a nine. Do they? Well, I only kind of know that because I call California shops at the magazine I work at. Oh, no. 310. That's it. Oh, really? Oh, what do you know? What do you know? And then what's New York? I would say it'd be like one or those probably start with two. I'm looking up my Uncle Larry's number. This is this is why people listen to this show, to learn the area codes in the country. Two, 212. Okay. Good old 212. Uh, what riveting broadcast we put is, out? That's the name of a band. They must be from New York. Oh, shit. We're putting shit together. Is that the name this of the band? This is how we... <laughs> Are you thinking Blink-182? No. What's the band I'm thinking of? 312? 311? Now, 311 is the the beer. (laughs) Is a Goose Island beer. I'm way off track. Uh, People know who I'm talking about, probably, and they're screaming. It's an R&B group from the 90s. 212 R&B group? 612? I don't know. I gotta stop. Boys to Men? Alright, hold on. Uh, R&B boy (laughs) bands 90s. I, I think it'll show up pretty quickly. It's not showing. Up. Hold on. Okay. Forgotten R&B groups. Okay. Here we go. We got a lot. Oh, 112. Here we go. <laughs> I knew it was a number. Oh, what a riveting episode. Uh, they got some good shit, man. 112, 311, Blink 182. 212 by Azalea Banks. Yeah, 212. That's probably what I was thinking of, the Azalea Banks song. Um... So 
the line finally starts getting a little longer, but we were we were set in our in our group. The first girl, Alex, one of her friends showed up at one point. So it's them at the front and it starts getting a little tense as the priority access people start showing up. Uh, at first it was just like five to ten people and we're like, okay, they'll get in and then we'll get in. The studio fits 200, so we'll be fine. And we started getting a little nervous as the line kept growing. And I made a joke at one point like, well, I'm only going to get nervous if it reaches all the way to us. And it eventually got like five people away from us. <laughs> And I was like, oh, no. And we're all kind of, like, freaking out. And we're asking the one iota people, like, hey, are we going to get in? They're like, you know, I once told people, of course, they're going to get in. And they did get in, and they were really mad. So I just don't like to say for sure. And we're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. And they only actually ended up letting in, like, 15 general admission people. Whoa. So getting there hours ahead of time actually ended up working out for the best for us yeah um but we got in and kind of got divided uh the teenager kid uh edgar shout out edgar uh he ended up we ended up sitting together the couple was sitting like a couple rows behind us and then alex and her friend were across the studio and we got in, sat down, kind of like in disbelief that we we're actually there and <laughs> going to be seeing Kanye. Yeah. There was a whole lot of like psychological manipulation to get you <laughs> to cheer loudly. Oh, really? Yeah. They're like, hey, you know, Jimmy really feeds off of your energy. And the more energy you're giving, the better of a performance he can give. And it's really like going back and forth. And we need the loud sound because it looks so good on TV. And just, like, really be a giving audience. We had an audience last night that was just such a bummer. They really, like, did a (laughs) shitty job. So please don't be like them. Like, can I hear you? Can I hear you cheer? Like, let us know that you really want to be here. (laughs) You're good at this. I I had a lot of brainwashing practice. (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you started yodeling during the show? Yeah, I was like, I need to show them how much I love them. And they're like, please, please don't shout anything out. Like, you know, you may think that you want to, you may think that nobody will care, but it really, it's really one of like the worst things that you can do as a human being. They didn't go that far with it, but they were really just begging us not to say anything as much as we want to say something. So I I wanted to yell out like, Kanye, we love you. Yeah. But that's a good foreshadow of the what's to come later though. Oh, oh. You don't know uh, what I'm talking about. No, I have no idea. <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. Um, and then they did, did a little bit of like, uh, they had a hype man come in and he's trying to get us all hyped. Like, what questions do you have? Where are you from? I'm going to throw you shirts. And he threw a shirt and it was coming right at me. And I'm usually never tall enough to grab anything, but it was coming right at me and I grab it. And the woman behind me also grabs it. And starts pulling really hard. Oh my gosh. And I'm aware that I have 200 people staring at me in this moment. So I let go of the shirt very dramatically. Uh-huh. Like like just dropping something like, I didn't do it. I didn't have it. No. Empty hands. And the guy that's pumping everybody up is like, hey, stop trying to tear that shirt out of her hand. Oh my gosh. And I was like, no, I dropped it. I dropped it. He's like, just... Let her have it. I was like, I let her have it. <laughs> like, <laughs> really? I didn't, do anything. I didn't do anything. I'm the good guy. 
<laughs> and everyone's like, boo, yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. Down. And then Kanye down. comes out, he's like, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, give me those Yeezys off your feet. <laughs> um, so eventually things things got going. Um, and they announced Kanye was coming out, and there he was right in front of me. He's one of the most talented men in the world. He's a multi-award winning recording artist, fashion designer, and shoe salesman. His new album is called Yay. Please welcome Kanye West. <laughs> So, was there a stand-up routine? Did you have to sit through that? There was no stand-up routine. Though the guy that did all the communication about how the show will work and what we need to do, he was very... He had, like, a Texas accent. It was very charming and made it comedic. Uh, And then the guy that was warming us up was this older guy, Don. And he was funny, but it wasn't, like, a comedy routine. Hmm. That's too bad. Don should really step it up next time. He was he was good. He knew he knew what was up. I won't okay. let you talk bad about Don. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'm sorry. I won't let you talk bad about Don. No, Don was okay. <laughs> He's gonna be on the show next week. Yeah. <laughs> he and I really connected. <laughs> I found out Don was my uncle. It's crazy. I was like, don't we look alike? He's like <laughs> Do you have an Aunt Pam in Roanoke? <laughs> Yeah, Don. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, huh. Anyway, so Kanye just is introduced, and he's there. Yeah, Kanye's introduced there, and he comes walking out, and it's just like, holy oh. shit, there's, there's Kanye West. That's so crazy, because, I mean, this is easily the closest you've been to him, but... <laughs> I, which is a very creepy thing to say now that I thought about it in retrospect. Uh, but it's so different than a concert, you know? Like, I was pretty bummed at the St. Pablo tour that there wasn't really a Kanye rant, which is probably an insensitive thing to say, because at that point, Kim had been robbed and he was going through a lot of mental trauma. But you almost, you, you know, you want that element of Kanye. And it, it almost seems like more exciting to just know all you're going to get is a Kanye talking for 20 minutes. Yeah, it was it was something very cool in that way because it's not it's not performance. It's something more low key, intimate. Uh, just I don't know. You're seeing this person be a person rather than seeing this celebrity be a celebrity. Yeah, or like a musician be a musician, and that difference between watching somebody that is on Kanye's level of thinking and that gravity and knowing that the the storm that Kanye brings, whether it's uh, negative or positive, but just that energy that he brings to mm-hmm. a room when he's there to talk, it, it really felt, I don't know, charged in a good way. Yeah, I bet. Man, breathing the same air as him. Yeah, and With- I had a... I had, I had two minor moments that I was like, oh, shit, that's cool. Where the first was in the interview, he says at one point, like, I know you wanted to clap for that, but uh, everything I say is going to be fucking awesome. We get too caught up in the past and what everyone's saying and what everyone's tweeting. And sometimes you just have to be fearless enough to break the 
simulation. And when I mean simulation, this is what I mean by the simulation. Sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> it was me that started clapping. That's what I was saying <laughs> from earlier that was being foreshadowed. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I just got like, everybody was clapping for everything. Yeah. For the most part. So I was like, yeah, clap that. Oh, nobody's clapping. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it so, was a great moment to clap because that was when Kanye, you know, dropped the F-bomb. He's like, break the fucking simulation. Yeah. Right. It was good. Yeah, it was great. And uh, it was after, after that, during the second commercial break, I was kind of grooving to the house band because they had some really good beat going on. Mm-hmm. And I looked over and Kanye was also just kind of like tapping it into it. Oh, you were dancing with Kanye. <laughs> yeah. It's the closest to dancing with Kanye <laughs> that I've gotten to get. That you have gotten so far. Right, right, right. Right. I mean, at my wedding, I planned to do a dan- first dance with my mom and then followed up by a dance with Kanye. <laughs> Could you imagine if you sent him a formal invite? <laughs> it's just like a first dance invite. I mean, I, I don't want to be unrealistic and I don't want to put any unfair pressure on him, but he should be the pastor at my wedding. That'd be amazing. It's like, do you promise to love one another? He just takes it very seriously. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I want him to take it seriously. I want it to be genuine. One day, Travis. One day. You and Lauren can renew your vows and have Kanye present. This is going down a dark path. (laughs) (laughs) Renew the vows. Renew the vows. No, I just meant, like, now I'm planning 20 years from now, like, when I'm going (laughs) to... What's Kanye going to... How's Kanye going to be part of my life then? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. Mm. Uh, but then we have the interview proper. So you uh, you watch the interview. Yeah. Did you like? Did you like it? Did you not like it? What were you? What were your thoughts? You know, with Kanye, it's weird. Like, it's almost like I'm never ready for it because a Kanye interview is not like an interview with anybody else. Um, one of the things I love that I think it was one of the New York Times pieces Kanye was a part of. I do believe it was one of these. I don't think it was the latest one, but in one of them, the interviewer said that whenever I interview Connie West, he's the only person that when I ask a question, Connie will sit there and actually think about an answer to it. Um, And I think that probably spoke to the interviewer because not that celebrities are usually necessarily rehearsed, but you kind of have an idea of what the questions will be and you're trying to keep up a certain image and blah, blah, blah. Connie's not really concerned of any of that. And that becomes so clear so quickly. And again, I'm like, I'm, I'm never ready for it. So the interview starts and, you know, Kanye starts going down this winding path. You know, you don't think the thoughts going anywhere. He's like kind of rambling. He's like, oh, my God, where are these disconnected thoughts going? And then, of course, by the end of, you know, him talking for three straight minutes, like it all kind of makes sense. Um, and maybe that's just me and my crazy Kanye fandom. But uh that was pretty much the whole interview for me. And it was so refreshing to finally see him giving an interview. You know, it's the first interview in forever, right? I don't, I don't even consider the big boy interview a, like a real interview or anything. Cause it was just, you know, Connie was riding that high and it was just friends talking. This is Connie talking about philosophy, talking about his family, talking about his mental trauma. It was just, 
I it was in, I thought it was incredible. Yeah, there's something different about Kanye on Kimmel in that recorded live setting versus like Kanye and Charlemagne, mm-hmm. where it's just at his home. They have the time to kind of go over things, edit it, and present it in that in the controlled way, mm-hmm. rather than the way where somebody else has control of what it's going to look like and what it's going to be. Yeah. I think that's a, as you're saying, like it's been a while since we've gotten that. Yeah. I, but, and again, like, and that's just going back to the pause, you know, the four second pause where Kanye thought about an answer to what I would say is not an easy question to answer. Um, I mean, uh, so Kimmel asked about Trump and, you know, he says that Trump is committing all these atrocities and tearing kids away from their mother's arms at the Mexican border. Like, how can you support that? The easy answer is, of course, I don't support that. That's terrible. And that's what everybody wants Kanye to say. But Kanye's trying to fit it into trying to fit his answer into the narrative that he's spinning or the the ideas he's presenting and this idea that you if you love everyone and you eliminate the thought of even having enemies, then people can start to come together and we can get past all the hate that fills this country and fills politics and just concentrate on, you know, connecting. When I see people just even like go at the president, it's like, why not try love for one person to stand up against all odds and just hug somebody the way that Alice Johnson hugged her family when she got out of jail. That one by one by one, we can defuse this nuclear bomb of hate that we're in as a society by thinking of everyone as our family. And, how and that's really what Kanye's fighting for. It's his whole mission. That's been his mission ever since coming back to Twitter. So to think of all of that, think of, Kanye's been building that idea for months to get that question. It's not an easy question to answer. You know, you want to answer it in a way that fits with what you're selling to the world. And he takes four seconds to answer it. Like I was sitting there like on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh shit, like Kanye's going to say something like epic. (laughs) And then, you know, it cuts to a commercial and the world freaks out. Yeah, that was the thing. The conversation in that first part in the studio, it was very electric. At least I I thought it was. Oh, yeah. You're just getting to really hear this even-keeled Kanye talking about these things and starting to really find a groove into the point that he's making and get into some of these thoughts and saying them in ways that we haven't quite heard him express yet. Mm-hmm. Like for as much as he's talked about them on Twitter, as much as he's hinted at them in the Charlemagne interview and other places, there was still, it felt at times places that he was getting to with some of the thoughts that I was thinking like, okay, this is, this is a, a layer that he hadn't talked about yet, or he's getting ready to go into this place that he hasn't talked about yet. And sometimes he would distract himself and thinking about something else to say. Other times, Kimmel would kind of interrupt what he was about to say and say something else. I actually had a dream the other night where I interrupted <laughs> what Kanye was saying and messed up whatever he was going to say, and then he couldn't remember and was very upset with me. <laughs> a nightmare. That yeah. is the worst nightmare you could possibly have. Yeah, I just remembered that right now, and I'm relieved that Oof, it was gosh. a dream. 
Um, but I guess I kind of did do that with the clapping. <laughs> I, I, I derailed his train of thoughts and got him to say something else. By the way, you do make, realize this means Kanye has spoken to you. Yeah, right. He indirectly, directly addressed me. No, directly, directly. I know you wanted to clap. I did want to clap. I did. <laughs> oh, I love that part, too, where he, where he said, everything I'm going to say is going to be fucking awesome. And it was. Lo and yeah. behold. Love it. Lo and behold. But as Kanye was gearing up for that point, there was so much that had led to him getting to that where it wasn't just that segment of the conversation. It was like everything he had been talking about with Break the Simulation, with talking about where he had got started, with people telling him what he couldn't do, which was the opening, the first things he was saying. It was all building to kind of this love rather than hate idea. And I thought Kimmel's point was a very good one and one that should have been asked about Trump? Yeah, just in comparison of what he's thinking, because that's something that I feel like I had tweeted at him before, too. Like, how, like, what do you do in a practical situation if right. you're saying this, but this is going on? And of course, he ignored my tweet on it, as he oh, does gosh. everybody's tweets. But I, it's something that I've been curious about. So I was glad that Jimmy asked it. And, but the question itself and how Jimmy framed it, it wasn't just what makes you think Donald Trump cares about people, like black people or any people mm-hmm. at all. There were a lot of words preceding it. Like I'll read the I'll read the full thing. Okay. Just in literal terms, there are families being torn apart. And this is this is in the middle of it where he's talking about love and hate and saying just in literal terms. There are families being torn apart at the border of the country that are literally families being torn apart as a result of what this president is doing. And I think we cannot forget that whether we like his personality or not, his actions are really what matter. You so famously and so powerfully said George Bush doesn't care about black people. It makes me wonder what makes you think that Donald Trump does or any people at all. So he began by talking about the love and hate thing. Mm -hmm. And how can you practically choose love when the actions of this president are tearing families apart? Right. Like, how do you how do you turn the other cheek in the face of that or take a positive approach rather than a hateful approach? And that's getting at what Kanye is saying. But then he gets into the idea of actions are really what matter. And then the Bush points, which brings up a contrast between Bush and Trump which starts to make Kanye have to think about addressing that comparison between how could he say this about Bush, but not say this about Trump. And then the question of what makes you think Donald Trump cares about black people or any people. Right. So it's like, which point do you address first? The hate and love, the policies of the president's, saying something about George Bush, but not about Trump, that Trump cares about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a loaded like statement slash question. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's like implied questions in there too. Yeah. That's the thing that makes it difficult. And I think as Kanye said, when you speak in the media, when he speaks, people automatically want to take it in the worst way. 
And I'm pretty sure he said in an interview before that he paused because he needs to, he paused in that interview because Mm -hmm. he needs to say it correctly in order to not get crucified. Yeah. Um, But the world doesn't really care about that, do they? No. And that's the thing that's crazy to me because, you know, I'm locked in this room for an hour (laughs) watching all of it unfold and seeing the full interview and paying attention to the full interview. That moment was a, a blip on the radar. Legitimately, it builds up to that. Kimmel asks the question, and what you see in the clip is exactly what happened. There's no cuts. There's no edits. It was legitimately four seconds of pause before Kimmel said to go to commercial. And I think everybody in the audience was disappointed not to get an answer. Uh, Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because you, because I do think Connie has an answer, and maybe we can get into this now, because the whole reason we did the show in the first place because you and I may or may not have had a disagreement on Twitter. <laughs> we'll see. The drama. The drama. <laughs> well, it's funny because you said you disagreed with me on Twitter, and everyone's like, "Oh shit!" Like they're gonna hash this shit out. Shit's getting spicy up in here. So like, here we are. We're doing it. Hey, what's up? Fuck um, you. <laughs> fuck you, motherfucker. We I love you. each other. Oh, you! <laughs> I hate you too. I love you. <laughs> when I say hate, I mean love. I love to hate you. <laughs> um, I hate that I love you. Th- this gets into some interesting. Is that th- I guess there's a few threads here. Kanye probably does have an answer to that question. Um, I guess what is the answer going to be, good or bad? Uh, Sub question. Does he actually need to answer the question? Like, is he obligated to? Is he kind of just expressing what he has always wanted to express with his love or hate rhetoric? And is that really the end-all, be-all of what his argument is and he doesn't need to expand? There's a lot of threads there. Um, I will say that... And, you know, when it happened in the interview, in the Kimmel interview, when he asked the question and Kanye paused and then it came back and we didn't get an answer, like, I wasn't thinking, like, oh, damn it, Kanye, you did it again. Like, you know, you didn't get into it. It felt to me like, okay, that just that's TV. <laughs> you know, they're not going to come back and go back to that question. They're going to get to all the, the fun, entertaining stuff. And it's not some hard-hitting journalism news show. You know, it's fucking Jimmy Kimmel, the guy that used to host a man show. Like, nobody's expecting that much from him. Um, but I think the thing that got to me, and this is where Chris and I disagreed, was that when Kanye came back to Twitter and he... And he, you know, a couple of days have passed and he's like, hey, I've been seeing online that people said I was stumped by the question. I wasn't stumped by the question. I was thinking of an answer. And I was like amped up when that tweet sent. Like, because I, I get the Kanye Twitter alert on my phone, of course. And I'm looking down and I'm like, oh shit, here we go. Like, here's an answer. Or Kanye's at least going to say something. And then when it wasn't really followed up with an answer or it wasn't followed up with, I'm going to answer it. Uh, I'm going to sit down with Charlemagne again and talk it out. Like, I'm going to post a, you you know, just a fucking video to Twitter explaining how I feel. When that didn't come, it really, in the moment at least, it really disappointed me. Because if Kanye has an answer and he's upset he didn't get to give the answer, what stops him from just doing it right then and there? And that was my initial disappointment with it. Which... I I understand as well, and I 
didn't necessarily disagree with that being upset that he didn't answer. I think it's I disagreed with that he wasn't answering mm-hmm. because while he could have tweeted something then and there, it also didn't mean that he wasn't going to answer it in some way. Like right. maybe it would take a day, maybe it would take a week, maybe he would go on another talk show, do something that the answer was in the works in some way. He just didn't think that Twitter at that point in time was the time to share the answer for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I I get being upset. I just didn't think that him not tweeting about it then was the most egregious thing. Yeah, and I I do agree with that. I I guess I just at least wanted some sort of indication that it was going to happen. And I I will say that, you know, this always happens with Kanye. He does something that in the moment, like, drives me batshit. And I'm like, why'd you do that? And then a few days later, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, whatever. (laughs) You know, it's just Kanye (laughs) being Kanye. I'm not quite at that point right now, but I will say that I've come down a little bit. and And I think a big part of what I was all riled up about in those moments was more the way people were reacting to Kanye. Um, like I'm, I'm mad at the world. I'm mad at how the world reacts to Kanye West more than I'm mad at Kanye. And just, and it gets, honestly, it, I, it was coming at him. It was coming at me from both sides because you have the people that have the stupid shit reactions, you know, the knee jerk reaction of, Oh, like he didn't answer the question. Like, why didn't he like, why doesn't he answer it now? It's, I just, if those people, I can almost tune it out at this point because everyone's going to be hating on Kanye. I think what really got to me more, though, was the fact that people who were, you know, pro Kanye, the people that were defending him to God's end, were, it, it didn't seem like, it's, it just felt like all of a sudden I was part of a group that didn't want to hold Kanye accountable for anything. Mm. It, like, we're stuck in this idea that Kanye is a futurist. Kanye's always ahead of the curve. You know, Kanye's always thinking ahead. He said in the interview, and I fucking loved when he said this, you know, I think lifetimes ahead. It was, that was his answer, like a completely normal answer to him to a question, <laughs> which is batshit thing to say, but I love it. Um, and I just like, I feel like we just tend to let him off the hook sometimes. Um, I guess, so like, you know, someone says like, oh, Kimmel shouldn't have cut to a commercial like right away. It's like, really like that seems like reasonable people aren't being reasonable suddenly about cutting to a commercial break like we're finding anything we can to defend Kanye when I think it's actually pretty normal to expect him to say more here you know I I guess in my mind I just wish there was less philosophizing from Kanye and more discussion of like tangible actions like when he says love everybody I think it's pretty reasonable for Kibble to ask what he asked. You know, that seems like a basic question that we would expect anybody in the world to answer, to have an answer to. And I feel like answering that question would give a lot of nuance to this grand idea Kanye's putting out there and allow his love everybody attitude to evolve and take shape. And I guess instead, to me, it feels like he's kind of repeating a lot of what he said in the past few months. I know you said that he's adding layers to a lot of what he said, but... Oh, but it's very, he is saying a lot of the same things still at the same yeah. time. Like the kids standing on the table and crying. We've heard that before. Right. 
like the love not hate my cousin's in jail for murder i still love him we've heard that before yeah right honestly like the Charlemagne interview the new york times interview the song of ti like i don't think he's necessarily built on you know this idea i don't think there's really been variations of love your enemies um so i guess it's just starting to feel tired to me and i wish he'd be just a little more open about discussing politics but then again that gets to our expectations of celebrity and i and i feel shitty being in that camp you know i expect kanye to do something and he's he shouldn't be expected to do anything you know he's out there preaching his message and if this is all he wants to give if this is the idea he's been thinking about what's put forth then that should be enough but um I, I think more of what got to me was how people were trying to let him off the hook for something that I, I don't even I, not even letting him off the hook. Like, why can't we challenge Connie like a little bit on this? No, I, I get that. I, I, I don't think it's unfair to be critical of how a message is designed. Like if this is all Kanye wants to say on it and this is his message, like that's one thing. And as you said, like, who are we to demand more expect more but at the same time that doesn't mean that you can't be critical and say if i really wanted to buy into this message i would need more i need this it doesn't mean that he owes me this it doesn't mean that i feel like i deserve this it's just if i want to be on board with what's being said i would need xyz um or he's saying this and I don't think that that necessarily is enough to say for mm-hmm. the message to get through. I think I think that's more than reasonable. My perspective on it is more what you were saying that I don't think he owes anybody right. anything in that way. And I think a lot of the times people are can be impatient with what response is given and when that response is given. Yeah, and I kind of got into it, you know, that, you know, all, he, he said himself, all black people are have, supposed to have this monolithic thought. You know, black people can only be Democrats. You have to act this way. And that gets into everything he was saying about the simulation and breaking the simulation and how children are trained to be a certain way from the get-go. Um, and I thought that it was actually a beautiful connection to what he said later about how he was glad his mom didn't medicate him when he had a blackout when he was a kid she let him i guess be bipolar in a sense i don't know if that's exactly what he's saying but he was never tamed and he likes that and he and i i think it just gets to this idea that he doesn't want to be put in that box and i i totally get that but that's mostly again what i'm reacting to is all these people do expect him to act a certain way and to answer this question in a certain way and if he doesn't he's fucking canceled again and just to even think about kanye fighting that like it makes me feel like such shit like expecting anything from him like he's given so much like i think mostly what it is is i i think kanye is perfect so i want a perfect answer from him and if i don't feel like i've gotten the perfect answer from him i you know i just fucking melt and crumble <laughs> well I, I do think it's healthy to want to challenge. I was thinking earlier about this and the conversation we we're going to have and my view that we shouldn't necessarily expect an answer right away or yeah. like, do we really demand or deserve an answer? And I'm thinking about it as well as like, how, 
it makes me think of the line, he'll give us what we need, it may not be what we want. And we assign that to religion and God and not understanding the machinations of God, but having faith. And I think that level of thoughts, like, well, we may not understand it, but we need to accept it, is kind of the first step a lot of the times toward cult mindset. Uh, when you just start mm-hmm. to rationalize everything somebody is doing and not expecting or demanding more yeah. and not having that that expectations for interaction or engagements. Right. Uh, so it's a slippery slope, I think, between allowing everything and being critical of something and yeah. the expectations that we set for somebody. Yeah. You know, though, the one thing that really kind of started to turn me around was I was responding to somebody on Twitter and they're like, you know, Kanye's message is love your enemy. And and my response is, yeah, but Kanye's been saying that for like five months now, like, you know, me being cynical, I'm starting to get sick of it. Like, I want Kanye to expand on it. And then the guy responded with uh, MLK, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. speech, you know, about their the the idea that there are no enemies that you love everybody and you work with everybody. And I know I'm walking a fine line here. Like I'm mentioning Martin Luther King Jr. And Kanye West in the same breath. Um, but it really did kind of open my eyes and it's something I've thought about a lot. And today I went to vote in the Minnesota primaries and I went to the Martin Luther King center and I was looking at their Facebook page and I saw all these like Martin Luther King quotes and all the love he puts out. And I was at the center and it just kind of really made me, it made me almost want to just go back on everything I had said about Kanye. <laughs> because like suddenly it started to all click a little bit. And that Kanye doesn't really necessarily own an answer because everything he's saying like kind of does reflect what he means to say. You know, uh, it, the only thing that kept me from making the comparison to Martin Luther King for a hot second was, well, Martin Luther King Jr. had all these ideals, but he was also on the ground floor, you know? He was at ground zero, walking with the people, talking to leaders, like, trying to make change. And Kanye's not doing that. But Kanye kind of is doing that (laughs) through his art. Um, And that's when, you know, I, I started thinking about what you and I do on this show and trying to dissect Kanye's music and really pick apart Kanye's ideals and how he views life and how he views himself and how he fits into the world. And Kanye makes music for the everyman every time he makes something, including Ye. You know, you see all these people. That's why he's retweeting all these people who talk, who listen to Ye and were like, this spoke to me. You know, I go through depression, like I'm bipolar and this is an album for me. Kanye doesn't owe anything. Kanye doesn't need to go out there and say the right thing for everybody to hear, for everybody that hates Trump and expects Kanye to solve the world crisis that exists. You know, Kanye's doing everything through his art, and that made me kind of realize that I don't know, I I think the message he wants to put forth is working a lot better than I realize because I think through listening to Kanye's music, I've become a better person, and I probably do love people more. I don't love Trump yet. That's all. There's a long walk to go on that one, but uh, I actually think he's getting there. This is going to be a really stupid comparison after (laughs) all the beautiful things you just said. Are you going to talk about the Lion King? 
No, no, no. I'm going to talk about the Sword of Truth <laughs> book series. I don't know what that means, but okay. So it's a it's a fantasy book series, much like uh, Game of Thrones. This like big epic, though it's in a world where there's a little bit more magic. And the main character has a sword that he gets. And uh, he doesn't understand. It's kind of like the Harry Potter situation where it's this person. <laughs> I'm a that, what? Like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm a wizard. <laughs> like this guy has a sword that will sometimes turn red when he's really furious. And it gives him this power and strength that he doesn't have at other times. Kind of like a... a a repurposed he-man right <laughs> okay i have the power but it's he spends the first 75 percent of this book getting angry at people and raging and turning the sword red and slashing through people and building this legend and eventually he's kidnapped and he's tortured and it's it's going really bleak and he has a bond with his tormentor eventually and when he's freed he has to kill her and as much as he had hated her he's learned a lot about her through their confrontation and realizes what her background was what made her this way how she got to be this horrible person that's murdered and tortured people for years but despite all of that he recognizes the humanity that's been corrupted within her. And when he's sitting with her and kills her, it's with this understanding of who she is and a love for who she could have been, what happened to her. And the sword, instead of glowing red, glows white. Ooh. Oh, boy. Yeah. And that's the ultimate power of the weapon is this compassion and love that when you can face even your mortal enemy and love them, there's more power to what you have than if you're doing it out of rage mm -hmm. or hatred or anger. Right. And when he was using the sword out of anger, I think it might've been killing him every time he used it. Uh, so what Kanye is talking about isn't necessarily a radical notion. I don't think. No. Like a lot of what he's saying does harken back to MLK. It's used as a uh, semi-powerful statement in a fantasy novel that most people haven't read. <laughs> most people. I still remember reading that in high school and losing my mind, being like, "Oh my god, the sword turned right," and like crying. And um, I think we've seen that loving your enemy when you kill them kind of thing happen. It's like a trope in movies. Mm -hmm. uh, it even happens at the end of Blade Runner. Like, these two have been trying to kill each other, but when the replicant sees the humanity and the fear and there's this understanding and love shared between these two people for their recognition of the humanity in the human and the humanity in the android... Mm -hmm. that bonds them that goes beyond hatred so i don't know i think there's a lot of merit to the idea but yeah it gets into a question of how what is the responsibility of stating it further or stating it practically is right. should we take it as some sort of gospel and it's on us to figure it out 
do we just reject it outright and say like well he's not explaining it well enough what a fucking psycho mm-hmm. um is it up to other people to start to spread the message i don't know right yeah it's tough with Kanye because i almost don't now, the more I think about it, the more if I think of him being an artist, I almost don't want him to expand any more than he has. You know, you don't want your artist to completely explain their art. You know, when David Lynch does an interview and people are like, what the fuck was going on in that movie? He never tells them what was going on in the movie. 20 years later, people kind of figure it out and piece it together and it's on Criterion and everybody's writing about it because David Lynch never fucking talked about it. You know, people have to figure it out. I kind of feel that way about Kanye and I and you know we spend so much time dissecting his music and trying to tell the world what his music is about for a reason because stories and art and music and movies and paintings are all really powerful you know they all tell stories and that's how you make change in this world you know you don't what, what's the there's some study called like the backfire effect or something like that where if you present somebody with facts, nothing but f- you make fact-based arguments, you don't change anybody's mind. You are less likely to change somebody's mind using facts than you are by telling stories. You know, um, instead of Kanye talking about why Trump's terrible and why he needs to do A, B, and C, um, focusing on this narrative of love and loving your enemy and what you know the lives that are affected by living that life like there's something to all of that that is much more powerful than kanye flat out just saying the statement everybody wants to hear him say so i have pretty much done a 180 at this point i guess now i was thinking at the beginning of this episode i hadn't quite done a 180 i kind of have now i I don't (laughs) really expect anything from him because i'd rather him be an artist because that's that's where he's most powerful to me yeah, I, I don't have a problem with fragments of thought or, as you're saying, there is something to not speaking in fact. Because if fact mattered at this point, <laughs> which it still does to some degree, yeah. but there's still a lot that's been going on, not just in America in the last two years, but throughout human history where people are like, hey, that's bad. Or, like, this person is, like, crazy and a murderer. There's people that still think, like, Casey Anthony is innocent and a wonderful person who got, like, dragged through the mud. There's fans of anyone and everything, and people will support those things regardless of fact because of what they feel. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the powerful things about narrative is that they guide people along through feeling rather than telling them some right. facts or telling them what they should think. And I always go back and forth. Like, people are saying what Kanye's doing isn't helping. Or they'll say, you know, uh, what was said here doesn't have to be Kanye. Wasn't a good thing. We need to do this, that, and this other thing to be successful. And methodology is it something, especially when we're talking on the level of the national zeitgeist Mm -hmm. that you can judge immediately and in the short term. Yeah. Maybe what Kanye's talking about now has no impact ever. Maybe we start to see it have an impact two years down the road, five years down the road. Mm -hmm. And we look back and think like, Oh yeah, you know what? What Kanye was saying did make like a little bit of a difference. 
Yeah. I, I think it's too soon to judge, well, I guess is what I'm saying. I think you're getting at ultimately what my, I think my grand point was going to be an hour ago when we started this fucking thing was that I don't expect more from Kanye. I want him to be an artist and I want to, to express him the well, the himself, the way he exactly has, you know, but if he's going to go on TV and he's going to do these interviews and he's going to go on Kimmel and know he's going to be asked this question. And if he's going to go on Twitter and say, he has answered the question, Kanye fans everywhere. I think it's okay to expect a little more from him. I think that's mostly, I'm speaking purely to the stands here. Um, you know, and, and we can't do anything about the people that have those knee jerk reactions and, you know, want to vilify Kanye, whatever. But let's not just get on this train where we do nothing but defend him and say, oh, he's thinking in the future. Like, oh, he, it'll all make sense someday. Like, maybe it won't make sense someday. Like, maybe we need a little more from him. So we don't, he's not obligated to answer anything. But I, but I mean, if he's going to put himself out there and go on TV and know he's going to be asked about Trump, maybe we should push him on that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I think that's fine to say, too. Like, I want more, or I respect that point, but, like, to fully understand it, I'd need more, or I think the point that he's making is good, but hollow if I don't know how it's how it's applied. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. If somebody says, like, you know, when you're going through life, you should never hit the brakes. Like, if you're driving <laughs> your car, like, keep the foot to the gas. And you're like, oh... <laughs> I would like to know how this practically works. <laughs> Should I never use the brake? Like, if you're approaching a stop sign, do you just keep your foot on the gas? I don't think it's impractical <laughs> to ask how much is metaphor and how much we should take seriously when it's something like this to where it's it's a concept that is openly applicable and the lines aren't clear. Yeah. But then at the same time, if he's not going to answer, I think it's on us to kind of discuss and figure out what we think about it. Yeah. And I guess that's the tough part because the other end of all this is that Kanye is a super rich mega celebrity who is definitely not affected by the decisions made by Trump. I mean, I feel like I'm not even, you know, I'm a privileged white male. I, I'm not on a daily Trump isn't really affecting my life and I don't feel the burden of Trump over me every waking moment. I feel like people that have that going on with them expect that next level from Kanye. And I think that's understandable, but I think what you're saying is also true that I think Kanye thinks his role is to at least start the conversation and open it up and not provide the answer for everybody to make a crazy statement like i like trump you know because blah 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 and i love trump and by saying all that he hopes that conversation will spark it makes me think about uh ways not to commit suicide or how not to commit suicide part one Mm -hmm. the fact that he labeled it part one and then never dropped a part two that he went on kimmel and recalled it yeah. and recalled part one yes. <laughs> specifically, but did it elaborate on part two or when a part two is coming? It seems to be maybe his mode of operation. Mm-hmm. Just thinking like, well, I'll say part one now and like, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> like time is a flat circle and where we're all worried about it. He's, he's just thinking like, Oh, when it happens, it happens. Yeah. Like part two will come. <laughs> Or it's just poetic and he, 
by saying part one, he lets you know that this is the most important step. Yeah, there's there's ways of interpreting and looking at it both positive and negative. <laughs> and this situation has definitely been a litmus test of the oh positive or negative of how you view someone in something. Like if you were to have another celebrity be asked maybe not this question about Trump because I think a lot of them would just be like, "Oh yeah, he's awful. He doesn't care about anybody." But a similar question where they paused for 4 seconds <laughs> and went to commercial. I wonder how many people would catch the same flack that Kanye's caught for it. Right. I mean, I was seeing things where Somebody was saying, like, you know, four seconds is absurd to pause on live TV. Kanye was avoiding the question. <laughs> and I was like, it's not live. It's it's recorded. <laughs> and also, what do you... like? 60-minute interviews will have people thinking about answering a question, and they hold it for dramatic tension. Like, that pause says something. You can have a pause on TV in an interview and it not be Mm -hmm. ruinous. And the person's response was still, Jimmy Kimmel is live and those shows are recorded. And even if it works on those shows, like, Jimmy Kimmel's live. It's like, what? (laughs) That's a good point. What? (laughs) What are you talking about? It can work in a pre-recorded show because it's a pre-recorded show, but... We can't go down this wormhole. You can't argue with these people. It blew my mind. Or people saying it was a simple question. Somebody said it was a simple question. He just wanted to know why he likes Trump. If you can't think of one thing to say why you like somebody. I was like, but that wasn't the question. Like, the question was (laughs) this presented by this, 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 and this. And the person was like, you're missing the point. (laughs) And I was like, your point was that it was a simple question. And then you put the wrong question you missed like, the you point on him missing the point oh can't be like oh well you know i don't think baseball involves that much contact and it's like well i said football takes too much contact or is like too forceful and like concussion <laughs> happening and the person being like well you're missing the points it's like what <laughs> We're talking about football. How are you talking about baseball? Chris, you're going to have gray hairs by the end of this episode. (sighs) My hair's fallen out already, Travis. (laughs) Uh, Okay. We've talked a shit ton about Trump. Do we want to talk about the other parts of this interview? So one of the moments that jumped out to me was how he talked about the cover of Ye. Hmm. And saying that I hate being bipolar, it's awesome, was it an opposites? That people have been talking about it as if it was opposite. Like, I hate being bipolar, but it's also awesome to be bipolar. And, and I, I, I will say really quick, I feel like that's the way almost we talked about it. Or at least I talked about it at first when we talked about, like, yikes and stuff. And how, yeah, okay, so how it's this idea that... Um, you kind of embrace that manic side of yourself and that there are two parts of yourself and everything's awesome about it. And I, I love the answer Kanye gave and keep going. The thing that I was thinking about when he said that, that it wasn't an opposite, it was a almost a, a reaction mm-hmm. kind of thing. 
And I was trying to figure out what he meant by that. And it might have been just a few minutes later or right around that that he mentioned how he was calm for the Kimmel interview and how when he got to TMZ, he was so ramped up that when he was in that state, you know, things come out kind of like Tourette's and he doesn't regret it because it was awesome that people got to see someone in that state and what it meant. So where the rest of the world was viewing it as like, Kanye's fucking crazy, Kanye's so dumb, Kanye this kind of, like, in this negative way, Kanye thought it was awesome that people got to see that state of mental health and a celebrity Mm -hmm. in that state of mental health. And that gave me insight into what he meant by the album cover in that it's not an opposite thing. Mm -hmm. He hates being bipolar, and it's awesome that he gets to feel that way and have the thoughts on it and engage with it and what does that hating being bipolar bring that even this negative thing is something to learn from and grow from and experience Mm -hmm. and that's the awesome part of it yeah i think we talked about it on well what episode was it maybe the free episode somebody says the word awesome at some point and I think uh, oftentimes awesome has this connotation of, you know, rad man or tubular, whatever. <laughs> um, that shows how cool I am. Uh, but <laughs> awesome has more of a sublime feel where it's this kind of this next level sort of thing. You know, it's this it's just it just means it's huge. Like it's this idea that you can't grasp or it's something just so next level that you have to wrap your mind around. And I think that's what Kanye's getting at is. It's awesome to put yourself out there like that. You know, he talks about how people are dealing with opioid addictions and all of these struggles. And for him, saying, I thought about killing you in a song was this breakthrough for him. You know, that's awesome to him to confront himself in front of everybody, to not run from his problems, but to take them head on, to not hide that bipolar part of himself from the world and to go on team Z to not hide the Trump hat in his closet and to put it on his head. That's what's powerful to him. And because he now has that energy, you know, that dragon energy and he's putting it out there in music and people are reacting to it. That's why Kanye's in a good place again. That's why Kanye doesn't care that everyone's mad that he won't answer the question about Trump because Kanye's putting out the exact energy he wants to. And to him, that's awesome. Yeah. And whatever, like, good or negative comes from it we're going to grow and learn and steps are going to be taken in some way and it's it's awesome to see fucking a man yeah so that stood out to me a lot you know i actually came out of that thinking everybody was going to focus on the positives of the interview yeah right and then we got some classic lines like, well, he is a player or I'm, I'm into fashion or I'm into design. Like that, that was going to be kind of a, a quote that Kanye fans threw around. I am into design <laughs> um, or like the Pornhub stuff was kind of a classic. Or I think lifetimes ahead. I think lifetimes ahead break the fucking simulation. Like there were so many highlights to this interview And Kanye was in such a good spot for this interview that I think if you take the Trump thing out, 
all the headlines are completely different. Or if he gets to answer the question in some way, all the headlines are different. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just kind of a shame that we see the media do what the media does, which is take one topic and inflate it to these grand proportions. And it... I get really torn because I hate what Trump says about fake news and the media being unfair. When he's talking about like the highest brow journalism <laughs> and like the journalism institutions that look at politics and democracy, there are issues there. There have been serious issues with how uh, elections are covered, with how politics are covered. But for the most part, I think institutions like the New York Times or Washington Post are doing <laughs> serious and good work. Solid but work. When you, when you get to Fast Company, when you get to just like some of the complex articles, when you get to just this really consumer-oriented, like clicky things, mm. that so much of it is harmful and petty and creates a almost false reality around something that yeah. just stirs singular talking points or headline talking points that are and headline viewpoints coming out of that that are really problematic yeah i mean i guess it's nothing new at this point it, but i guess this is especially defeating because like you said we're talking a 21 minute interview. There's literally one moment people can latch onto and they're sure as fuck latching onto it. It's, it makes it very difficult to even consider talking to other people about this subject. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, Chris. Like you get on there, you will argue with these people until you're red in the face and you got gray in your beard. And I don't know. It's, I can't do it. It's because I, you care. What is it? I have a I have a competition in me. <laughs> you connect a lot of Daniel Plainview, don't you? He's just an admirable man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who uh who lived his life the way he wanted to and uh exacted his revenge in the way he probably wanted to. I'm finished. Uh but you would never hurt these people on Twitter. <laughs> no i i would not dennis reynolds them <laughs> uh okay any other just thoughts like to argue on these fuckers uh hmm oh one of the cool things that nobody nobody would know to talk about <laughs> there was a there was a young black guy sitting in the front row at kimmel and when kanye got up to leave the the guy stood up and was applauding and kind of pointed at Kanye and Kanye who had started to walk away turned around and came back and walked towards the guy and the guy walked like 10 steps out to Kanye and Whoa. they did like a high five or like a I feel like I should know what you call that like the the handshake into the hug oh sure and kind of hugged and talked for a second and then Kanye went away and the guy was just like, you could see on his face, like, that just fucking happened. I just got to hug Kanye. 
like, I don't know other people that come out and hug random people <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> and the security guy who is standing by me most of the time, which looked like he could bench uh, a cruise ship, <laughs> which is why I was kind of scared to be like, I love you, Kanye. And then he <laughs> squeezes me by the throat and walks me out of the place. Uh, he went over to the guy and like, leaned really close to him and was like standing close and was like no you don't do that like blah, 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 blah. and the guy's like oh well, he walked to me blah, blah, and he's like no I <laughs> and finally a producer comes over after like 25 seconds and is like hey it's okay it's okay it's okay like he's cool don't worry <laughs> and the guard kind of just stands up and is like all right and walks away <laughs> and then the producer looks to the kid and or the guy and is like hey that was cool thumbs up <laughs> it was he goes cool. back it was cool. I wanted to talk to him after, but didn't get a chance to. Ah, shit. We got to get him on the show. Hey, if you're listening, just DM us. Yeah. And then at one point during a break, I held my foot up. <laughs> what does that mean? I was wearing my Yeezys. Okay. So I was trying to get Kanye to see that I had my Yeezys on. And, uh... Was that a comfortable position for you? I am not flexible. <laughs> I can't even fathom the thought of getting my foot high enough for Kanye to see it. You know, people, I think, like to use the term pretzel when talking about flexibility. Mm -hmm. But pretzels aren't flexible. No, they're they're just contorted into that shape. Yeah. So I'm like a pretzel in that I'm not flexible. (laughs) I'm contorted into my shape. That's a good quote. I think that's going to catch on. Oh, yeah, people are going to start saying that. And they'll be like, oh, I think that was Einstein. <laughs> Might as well be. I think Norman um, Mailer. <laughs> the other thing I loved about this interview, and kind of does it every time he gives an interview, is that he's not looking at Jimmy when he's talking. He's looking at the world. <laughs> you know, he turns to face the audience and effectively turns to face me and is having a one-on-one conversation with me when he's saying all the crazy shit running through his head. I love that about him. Like, he, he's just so, he has such a desire to be connected to everybody and everything he's saying. He wants, he so desperately wants to make change that he's making sure that you're paying attention to what he's saying by making eye contact with you. Yeah, that was a that was a cool part, just how much he was engaged with the crowd as he was speaking. And as you said, he does it every interview. Like Ellen, he's addressing the crowd. The yeah. previous Jimmy Kimmel interview, he's turned to the crowd. It's crazy. And Ellen, it's just like a it's a room full of like middle aged moms. And he's just like, what's up, moms? I'm talking <laughs> to you. I got some knowledge to drop. I, uh, I like to a few minutes into the to the interview. It's maybe in the first like two minutes. At one point, Kanye catches himself in the monitor for the first time. I think it's after the Space Force guy goes by. <laughs> and you see him see himself in the monitor, and he immediately like looks, pauses, and then stands up and adjusts his shirt. And then checks himself out one more time in the monitor to be like, okay, am I looking good? Okay, I look good. Uh, fuck yeah. It's just, right, it's a very human kind of thing like you see him recognize himself feel self-conscious adjust and then want to make sure like oh do i do i look all right rather than just a jake gyllenhaal suaveness (laughs) that's really who i think of when i think of kanye those two guys are the two i'd compare to each other yeah 
Jake, Jake and Yay. I mean, let's get them in the same room, though, like for real. Could you imagine a, a Nightcrawler sequel? Oh, he becomes Nightcrawler's new protege? Yeah. Or oh. competition. I was going to say, yeah, he's the Bill Paxton character. Yes. Mm. That's who that was in that I movie. I love this. Or, you know, it's the sequel, and they step it up a notch, and Nightcrawler moves to the national spotlight, and Kanye is the competing news anchor on, let's go with MSNBC. <laughs> Not the other one. Actually, I do think it would be cool to write a movie where it's a a CNN anchor and a Fox News anchor, and they end up somehow going after each other, and uh, you get a survival showdown. And can those two anchors be John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, and can we start writing that script as soon as this podcast is done? Yes. Okay. The answer to that is yes. Okay, great. Uh, anything else to cover in this interview? Mm. I think the only other thing for me is uh, when he talked about North, and maybe there's not a ton to talk about here, but I really love the story he told and how you know, he started his company by putting uh, a thread through a needle, and then when he saw his daughter doing it, it like brought him to tears because you know he all of a sudden he's kind of experiencing this this child, you know, who's experiencing the same thing he experienced when he started his company and thinking about the way Connie talks about becoming a kid again on yay and kitsy ghosts and kind of being reborn and having a new worldview for him. I, I, I could see that moment connected with him a lot. And I thought that was awesome for him to share. Same, yeah. same. I, I was really disappointed when they came back from commercial and Jimmy held up the bizarre Harper's Bazaar cover and was like, talk about this. <laughs> I was like, what about all the Trump shit? Like, but that story was, uh, it just made me immediately forget about it yeah. and get into the story. And uh, one of the things people are asking what was going on during the break, uh, during each of the commercial breaks. And after the Trump break, Kanye and Jimmy were talking to each other. And it wasn't heated, it wasn't antagonistic, it was just, they were kind of whispering. But you can't hear anything because the house band is so loud and their mics go off. Hmm. So they're just kind of chit-chatting. And during the other breaks, it was mostly like a couple comments, but Jimmy was, you know, preparing or looking things over, like talking to a producer or something, while Kanye was just kind of, yay, was chilling. Yeah. I mean, what else are they supposed to do? They're just broing out during those breaks. That's that's right. <laughs> Hardcore broing out. Were you, were you trying your best to at least catch Kanye's eye? Yeah, I kept batting my lashes. <laughs> yeah, when the when the foot thing didn't work, that's what you turned to. <laughs> yeah, when I was like, oh, he's not a foot guy. <laughs> he didn't mention that in his Pornhub likes and dislikes. <laughs> Uh, that was classic too, by the way. I mean, we don't have to get into that. You could just listen to it, but that was so great. God, the moment. So I loved the Charlemagne interview, the gift that we got where Kanye kind of like rolls his eyes and throws his hands. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, what you going to do, you know? <laughs> um, but there's that moment in this interview where Kimmel's like, well, we don't have to get into all of the Pornhub stuff yeah. or like what you like or dislike. And Kanye kind of has his hands clasped and just makes this face that's like, <laughs> well, 
<laughs> we don't have to, but hmm. what does he say? Like, what's the point of being Kanye West if you don't talk about what you watch on Pornhub? Yeah, that moment and just how he, whatever he does, the hand gesture he does, the facial expression in that moment is one of my favorite Kanye things. That's such a reflection of the most beautiful thoughts are always besides the darkest. Like, goes from this loving speech about his daughter to like, let's talk about what I watch on Pornhub. <laughs> right? Like, that juxtaposition. Not a lot of people would go there. No. Well, people probably think he shouldn't have gone there, but that's the beauty, you know, that's the beauty of the Kanye West interview. Yeah, just wait till we do our uh, episode on ecstasy. We should probably do that soon. Yeah, right. At the end of the albums? Yeah, kind yeah. Of the, maybe a bonus Lucy. Yeah. Mm. So does that do it for this? Yeah. Um, tune in Tuesday where we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we'll be talking about Reborn. Yes, and check out, if you haven't caught it yet, the story with Chase Crawford that just went down that precedes this. It's a pretty great story Awesome. And we have more of those to come. Yeah. Um, please support us on iTunes, subscribe to us, rate us, and you can check out all the other ways you can support us in the show description. Yes. Twitter, Yeezus Book, shirts, Patreon, all those things. Yeah. Okay. Well, until next time. We love you very, very much. Stay wavy. Loopy. I tell them